time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, killer comic writer, Twitter whiz actress, Abby Crutchfield. We're going to be talking to Abby in a sec. First, let me thank the folks that sponsor this podcast for real. Starburns.com. Great stuff over there at Starburns.com. Uh, just uh, Google it, and then you're just going to laugh. We got Advice Corner and Fiery 4 and a pop quiz coming up. Great show. And as always, before we get to my guest, Abby Crutchfield, time for the Waterhouse Update. Brought to you by Carpe Delum, the blackjack app that lets you live for today. College hoops. North Carolina missing the tournament for the first time since cigarettes were good for your digestion. Kansas, like a meter made with a month-ending quota, they just keep coming at you. Dayton moves from swipe right to a number one seed. More Cinderella's this year than a sickening toddler beauty pageant. UCLA pulls a Lazarus back from the dead. But Duke and Kentucky lurking like teenage boys outside a sorority. That wrap-up sponsored by Sammy Shammy, the only car shammy autograph by Sammy Davis Jr. NFL Combine! That's where draft picks work out before the pro-level HGH empanadas. Jalen Hurts made the other quarterbacks look as white as a RuPaul cape. Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor ran faster than Mike Bloomberg from a press conference on non-disclosure agreements. And Washington quarterback Jacob Eason suffered a severely lacerated ego and was rushed to Orlando's Frozen 2 Hospital, where he was sung to overnight. That wrap-up sponsored by Shellactivism. Protect your radical thoughts with a single clear coat of Shellactivism. XFL! The Yuma Mangos beat the Dayton Dipsticks 11-8 on a four-point celebration bonus. Spring training! 18 Houston <laughs> Astros have been hit by a pitch so far. Seven of them were in the parking lot. NBA, almost time to start watching. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1904. The place, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. The Montreal Wanderers lost the Stanley Cup to Ottawa when they refused to play a second game in Ottawa. In over a century, Ottawa has not improved. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by J.C. Penny, dressing homicide detectives for over 60 years. <laughs> now it's talk time. Ah, my guest today, great comic, actor, and Twitter assassin, Abby Crutchfield. Abby, how are you today? Hey, Chad, great to be here. Thanks. I'm doing all right. Uh, you sound good. Uh, you're a New York City comic <laughs> all the way. Everything I'm still from Gotham. At yeah. Penny. <laughs> you like that one? Sorry. Yeah, I liked it. Go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, I get fifteen dollars if I get through the endorsement, and seven fifty if I blow it. Because you know, I'm still getting their name out there. Uh, you, you're working like crazy, New York City, right? Gotham Comedy Club, all the way up to those crazy hipster joints in uh, Brooklyn where they serve fish sticks and tell jokes and stuff like. That. Now, are you from New York originally? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, nope. 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 I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, but I've been in New York long enough, like 15 years 
that I call myself a New Yorker. I yeah. don't know if lifelong New Yorkers consider me there, but I do. So, uh, so it's long enough to rub the rube off you from, from Indiana. I would say so, except I still say hi to people. I can't help it. No, no, that's a Midwest thing. You got to be friendly because uh, it could come back. It could boomerang on you if you're not friendly. You know, you don't want that. You no, don't no, want no. To you don't want a bad get... tasting casserole. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, who needs that? Uh, there's plenty uh-huh. of that in the Midwest. You don't need the. You don't need the rich crackers crumbled on top. People screw that up. Nah, <laughs> you just don't want that passive aggressive uh, coming back in a nasty recipe. That's what. That's what we are trained not to do. Oh, so that's really interesting. Yeah, I never mm-hmm. thought of that. They get you a lot of Lutherans there. Come in and the passive aggressive, and then they, they yeah, they <laughs> slip uncooked peas into your casserole. It's horrible. Uh, now, uh, did you, did you go to high school in Indianapolis? Did you you grew up there? Yeah, yeah, I went to high school and. Uh... And I grew up there. Now, listen to me. Uh, that that's, That is more enthusiasm than most people from Indiana can muster. That was impressive. Uh, now, hey, no problem. Now, now uh, did, you do, did you do any sports in high school or did you just stay away from it? I liked, I liked uh, pep rallies, so I didn't hate sports. I just wasn't athletically inclined. And I, I finally joined the tennis, tennis team because they had a no-cut policy. Everything else, you kind of had to display some skills. So um, I uh, I got put on the JV team just because I was one of maybe eight people that showed up for tryouts. It was a small high school, and and I would just like lob balls into the air. They would send. There were two levels of tennis courts. There was some upper level and lower level, and the coach would stay on the lower level with the people who had potential. And then he'd send the lost causes up to the upper levels, and we could just <laughs> hit balls at the wall until they told us to kind of come down. <laughs> so it really wasn't tennis for you. It was just a sort of an idle afternoon. <laughs> it, was, it was improving my hand-eye coordination to a degree. And then when we had actual tournaments, I always would get out pretty quickly. But in my doubles, like when I got to play with a friend, it was more fun to lose because then we would lose together. It wasn't just me losing immediately. And now, would you lose together uh, giggling or uh, – mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do remember a lot of laughter, yeah, because they would pair the, the kids from the upper courts together. So it wasn't like I was with some competitive winner who was pissed off at me for missing a shot. It was more like us being like, whoa, you almost got a piece of that. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you got a, a tip of the cap, first of all, uh, to the people at your high school who designed the tennis courts knowing they would need uh, an upper court that they <laughs> – could that they could just uh, dispose of uh, the bad right. players? <laughs> you gotta exactly. love that. And I like that. I like that they didn't do it symbolically, like have the good people on top and the bad people down below. I figure it was just the coach was too tired to climb the extra set of stairs, so he was like, "Sure, go on, young people, get up there." <laughs> yeah, that's back when your tennis coach smoked and stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so you stayed away, like but you like the pep rallies. So you would go for yeah. sort of more of the uh, more of the pomp and circumstance uh, of oh, the yeah, athletic shouting event. Shouting is great. Any excuse to shout, I wanted it. And I wasn't a cheerleader in high school, but I was in middle school. So I liked chanting from the bleachers in high school and dressing up during spirit week. All that fanfare was fun before the actual game. Then I would tune out immediately when the sports happened. <laughs> so you were you were like a uh, a high school athletic hype man. You would just, exactly. You would sit and I was stand. all about this. Yeah, that's impressive. Snack too. I like still like that's consistent with me today. When it comes to sports, I love gatherings and with friends and eating the food. Like whatever, it's a just a reason to try new junk food. 
That's it. Listen, uh, that memory, incidentally, brought to you by sugary drinks. Don't just hydrate, carbohydrate. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> let, let's dive right in. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you did a show. Uh, I love this show. This is the kind of show I need. I don't even know if it's still going, but it's called You Can Do Better. Uh, and uh-huh. It was kind of like a self-help show. You and that, uh, the, the white guy, the Matt guy, the Polish kid, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you would do Matt, stuff. Uh, Matt Latkowitz, yeah. Matt Latkowitz. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, there was a high school wrestler named Latkowitz. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. uh, so he, uh, you would do stuff with him like, uh, like uh, you know, how to pour a real drink or uh, how to use your cooking gear. Or, you know, how that's to, right. We did that. Uh, we did that for two seasons on True TV. It would air right after Adam ruins everything, so like prime time or evening time, and it was a very friendly walkthrough for adults that involved interviews and some sketch and some how tos. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. My favorite episode was where Matt made a gas station pad thai, so he kind of just mixed ramen noodles and peanut butter in a wow. microwave and. He added some other sauces and seasonings, but it was really clever, and it looked good. Yeah, you know, and uh, if you're short on cooking oil, a gas station might not be a bad place to be. <laughs> Drop a can they of W. Oil of plenty. Yeah, I'd go with the WD-30 because it's a little mm-hmm, thinner, mm-hmm. and it'll burn mm-hmm. a little hotter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, why did that show go away? Was it just those big beasts from the, uh, the crazy guys who do the, the prank stuff? What's their names? The, uh, oh, the Impractical Jokers. The yeah, un- they Unendurable Joker. No, Impractical Jokers. That's it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, now they got to bring that show back. They got Because that was – you got to find another way. Uh, let's be honest. You're probably carrying Latkowitz on your shoulders there. But uh, <laughs> either way, because uh, I think adults need that. They need that kind of thing. Now, uh, then you, you, yeah, yeah, I should bring it back. Yeah, you, you got to. Now, you got a killer idea here. This whole uh, – uh, this is a big deal in Brooklyn. This has been around a long time. The Living Room Show, which is a live show, right? Yeah, a live stand-up comedy hour that is Fridays at 8 p.m. I used to produce it with my husband from 06 to a couple years ago. And so the past couple years, it's been in the hands of two other young gentlemen who do a great job with it. But it's a clean show. It's in Brooklyn. It's not family friendly, but it's uh, it's like TV friendly. Yeah, what yeah, you yeah. would see prime time. But what and, a great um, idea! Yeah, it's, it's it's like a a, show. yeah, it's like guys and and uh, you know comedians working mm-hmm. on uh, maybe a TV set or something like that. It's going to mm-hmm. naturally be a language clean. It might be a, a premise filthy, uh, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but 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 so, so you get to go and see see see, uh, see comics really kind of honing down that last f stop, if you will, uh, of the set before they got to take it to TV. That's a great idea. Now, yeah, that's the idea behind it. Now, I did participate recently in a show that is geared towards families, and I was thinking it was going to be very tame, and the booker ahead of time said, don't dumb down the jokes and don't make up new material for this show. Do your regular jokes that happen to be clean. And that one, I was surprised to see worked really well. Like, they had it in a bar, but it was a bar that didn't serve alcohol in a certain room to the kids, obviously. And it was so it was, like, just as dark as a regular comedy club. It had a spotlight and a stage. And the kids really enjoyed it. And if they didn't laugh, but their parents did, I'm still like it's still enjoyable for them. So yeah, it felt like a normal comedy show. And I was surprised because I always thought the living room show was like as close as you could come to a clean show without it being horrible. But these guys put on a good show for like five and twelve year olds, you know, for me, wow. five to twelve. 
So you they, found it. Yeah, you found a cleaner show. That's the thing about New York. That has <laughs> always amazed me about the comedy scene in New York. Is you can literally uh, you walk into a joint, and uh, mm-hmm. if it if the lights are dark, uh, you don't know mm-hmm. you. You're the comic. You just kind of walk to where the comics are, and then you go on stage and do your set. Then they turn mm-hmm. on the lights, and you go, "Oh my God, we're in a sausage factory." I mean, there's so <laughs> exactly. many comedy rooms. It's crazy. <laughs> What's the craziest venue you've played in New York? Uh, More recently, I played the basement of a sex shop. So they were selling sex toys upstairs in the basement. They had a comedy show. But what I was surprised by was how dungeon-esque this was. It was honestly like you were in an unfinished any New York basement. I thought maybe it would have like plush red velour chairs or something. But no, it was just like... It was just folding chairs and one single light bulb, and it felt like we were all going to be murdered very shortly. So, yeah, <laughs> you, were, you, were, yeah, you, were, you were thinking Magic Mike, and you wound up getting like a yeah. Lutheran church basement that was being rented out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a little scary. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what do you expect? Actually, that's probably pretty mild for a New York City sex shop basement. I'm surprised there weren't live mm-hmm. gimps down there being held by a leash or some crazy thing. Uh, exactly. W- I was disappointed. Like, there wasn't more excitement to it. But hey, it was. It had the thrill of, of, of impending doom, I think, is what it had. So the, that was nice. The thrill of impending doom. I like it. Uh, <laughs> that phrase, incidentally, brought to you by Gesundheits, the leotards that help cut your sneezing in half, and brass tax, <laughs> the tax service that distracts the IRS with shiny objects. All right, now, you you, you did a, a crap load of improv, too. You've done Upright Citizens Brigade, and they're kind of mm-hmm. the new improv benchmark. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, they are like everybody uh, out here in Los Angeles. I'm running around doing my little sports activities. Uh, these kids uh-huh. keep running up, and there's like valets going, yeah, I'm in the master class at UCB. So uh, it, it's like the new uh, benchmark. <laughs> uh, how scared were you? Uh, your first time on stage doing improv, did you did you know what you were doing, or did you know any of the rules or anything? Or because that can that can be scary. That can be as scary as the basement of a sex shop. You're not kidding. I think when a valet says I'm in a master class in improv, you say yes and get me my keys. <laughs> yeah. um, I think uh, anybody that's starting improv is is out of their element, and it's a little bit um, you're you're trying not to think, but that unfamiliarity, like that feeling of nervousness is, is, is then, um, what's sort of buffered by the fact that there's other people feeling that too. And you're given instructions on how to agree with each other and make the scene work. Now it doesn't mean you're going to produce a flawless piece of comedy, but I do think it, it kind of engenders, if that's the right word, or it cultivates in you a sense of uninhibitedness. Like you start to train yourself to um, be really free and be comfortable. Now, a stand-up's a little bit different because uh, you you get comfortable in the repetition of a script. So the more you, the, you know the words that you're going to say or the ideas you want to share, the more freedom you have to go in and out of those ideas. Whereas improv, you're never supposed to really know what you're going to say. So the muscle that you're relying on is just that readiness yeah. to agree with whatever. Yeah, you I really got to yeah, you got to work that muscle cuz a lot of people 
Well, just kind of, especially stand-ups, and they get in that improv environment, look out, because sometimes they just go through, they fly through their mental Rolodex until they hit a joke that's about uh, whatever uh, suggestion they got from the crowd, like, hey, a chef in a phone booth. And then, bam, uh, you know, if you've been around long mm-hmm. enough, you can, uh, you probably got a joke about that. You dig that out and blow the dust <laughs> off. But that's not real improv. When they say Mm-mm. use that emotion, like you're afraid or you're scared or you're angry or something, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times, and you've done a lot of acting too, they say use the emotion. How the, how the hell do you do that? And just repetition. You have to, the more you train that muscle of, like in the case of improv, of like being okay with the fact that you don't know what you're going to say, the easier it is. And you're, you get, you start to hone your listening skills. You're very attentive to what people are saying. You get in the habit of making connections. Like, oh, they said ice cream parlor. That makes me think of this. Or you start to visualize things and then paint that picture with your words. So it's a, it's, you know, it's the fact of showing up and doing improv regularly that makes you better at it. So, so it's a muscle. It's skill set is stand up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a muscle. It's like, it's kind of like the NFL combine for comedians. You exercise those certain muscles and bam, you you're, you're out into the semi conscious, which I've only, I had a cookie in Thailand once and it put me in the semi conscious, but I can't get there voluntarily. I'd have to work on it. Now, let's dive into social media because you have tackled social media with a vengeance. You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram. They're new frontiers mm-hmm. for performers and, and they're, they're kind of. New building blocks. Uh, used to mm-hmm. be you had a sex tape with somebody, and that's kind of how you got you jump started your career. But now you can mm-hmm. actually go on like Twitter and Instagram stuff like that, and uh, you're hitting them with a hydraulic nail gun. Is that by? Is that hey. conscious? Uh, you know. Yeah, th- I think the problem. Yeah, the, the problem with sex tapes not being feasible is so few people have VCRs anymore. So you really got to get out of the VHS game. Yeah, you do. You can't, you can't for- watch the tapes. Yeah. No one's watching the tapes, as they say. Uh, and so what you need to do is find your audience and also hone your creative voice. Those are the two reasons I joined Twitter was to kind of uh, have a more immediate reach that I wasn't getting with stand-up. I was reaching people and getting immediate feedback from the audience I was seeing in that week, but it was a small number compared to what I could do through Twitter. So uh, by networking with like-minded comedy writers and sharing each other's work and also like... Um, getting the attention of people who I admire in the industry, I was able to, and by getting their attention, I mean getting retweeted by people who have a bigger following. I was able to kind of get my sense of humor out there and also see what works for me. I would love it if something that I thought was funny actually got shared a ton. And so that helped me to like do more of that. And same with Instagram. I mean, with Instagram, I just try to post things that are interesting to me and stay engaging people, but I'm not on TikTok, you know. The kids are on TikTok now. Uh, the kids with their, uh, yeah, the TikTok thing. Yeah, that, that's, uh, speaking of, uh, this portion of the broadcast brought to you by the Broken Clock Store, open 35 hours a day, 12 days a week. Uh, th- so that's impressive, though, that you're looking at it uh, strategically. You're not just out there uh, uh, spitting gum, as they say. Uh, well, that's because comedy is my job. Like, I honestly was wanting to network with people I aspire to work with, TV shows I wanted to work on. So it wasn't just, like, there for fun. And I right. had to be really mindful of that. Like, not just post a ton of personal stuff that, you know, if I'm feeling depressed, I'm not just going to drunk tweet, you know, like, or that, you know, how you don't drunk dial. You really shouldn't drunk tweet either. It's never, it's never going to come up good in the morning. 
Yeah, well, it's never going to come out good for you in the morning, but for anybody reading it, it's kind of fun. And, you know, uh, the other thing is, and a smart thing you said, and that's going to lead us right into our next section. Watch this segue. Uh, but you, you did uh, you did the thing on, on how, you, you know, you can reach more people because, uh, let's be honest, uh, you know, how many uh, hot – uh, good uh, media comics that you respect are uh, in a sex basement uh, Sunday night. Probably yeah. not a lot. Great now, question. Not, uh, not as many as you think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably. I don't know. Uh, out of seven in the basement, I, I I might go as high as two. But still, you can <laughs> you can reach more. And I think I got a bona fide big time comedian, improviser, social media pro with me. Time for advice corner. Actual mm-hmm. takeaway from the great Abby Crutchfield. Abby, I'm going to ask you like five questions because uh, you never know when the kids are listening, thinking about, hey, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, and sure. and yeah, you might be able to. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And this happens. is for the middle aged and the elderly too. Like anybody, you can start anytime you want. Thank you, you for that because, yeah, I might have got swept out in an ageist hashtag if you hadn't qualified <laughs> that. That would have been horrible. All right. Here's a question number one. A quick yep. tip for shifting gears between stand-up and improv because uh, we were just talking, a lot of stand-ups kind of get their feet caught in the stand-up mud uh, where it's all mm-hmm. about repetition, like you said, mm-hmm. and then boom, you got to go to improv. How do you clear your head? Well, how do you, what do you do to kind of clear your head and go, I'm ready to do improv and, and go? I think the only way to be comfortable with either is that you've been doing both of them repeatedly. So anytime I have to do a shift, it's because I have not been doing uh, improv for a while. I've right. been just focusing on stand-up. So it's, uh, what I remember is for myself, that uh, the same skills are honed of listening. And so I just tune in to what am I hearing and what does that make me think of? Those are two questions that I'm asking. And I'm also kind of listening up. For me, I have to pretend that I had a drink, like to, to just be like, what does my body feel like when it's all like the muscles are relaxed and I can just be, because if I'm rigid and tense, my brain gets blocked. So if right. I start like t- taking a stance of folding my arms or standing still, that doesn't work for me. So I kind of like to, loosen my body before I come out on stage. And, uh, and, and there's a reason I said that. What did I say? Uh, oh, the listening, because crowd work is very similar to improv and that you're listening to what the audience says, you're catching it, you're seizing on a detail, you're repeating it back to them, and then you're building on it. And that's what you do in stand-up, and improv is similar. Right, right. Question number two, rookie mistake to avoid on Instagram. I think I make all of them pretty regularly. (laughs) Oh, here's my least, here's my pet peeve on Instagram. You don't need to point out a flaw that you might perceive that they don't perceive. So, um, when it's like, oh, sorry that I didn't clean up around the house, or I know my hair has got this frizzy section, like that's not exactly what people see. And if you're going to have to point it out, just don't post the picture, Ah. but try not, not pointing that out because it's the same as on standup. If you see a problem in the room or you feel something and the audience is not privy to it, the second you bring it up, they're going to put focus on that. So you're like, oh, sorry, this isn't funny. Or sorry, I suck tonight. Or sorry, I have low energy. They're going to be like, oh, I didn't realize that. I was laughing and enjoying myself. But now that you brought it to my attention, that's all I'm going to think about. Yeah, so, yeah. Same that's with true. Instagram. If you have something negative to say about your own picture, try not to, unless you can make it funny. But even then, I'd say just, uh, just make it funny. That's smart. Uh, how do you clear your head uh, before an audition? What do you say to yourself before an acting audition that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that puts you at ease before you go into a room full of strangers? 
Mm, I don't know that I have to talk myself up most, but I think one of the things I remember, let me think about one that would actually make me nervous. Cause I think at this point I've just done so many of them that I have a habit of once you've done it, you forget about it instantly. Like however it goes, whether it went well or whether it didn't, don't dwell on it. So that's what I say after the fact, like it's time to move on to the next thing. Um, but going into one that say a callback and say it's got like high stakes, like, Ooh, this could be a big one. Um, I think I make sure I'm prepared. Like I make sure I know the character so I know what choices I'm going to make and I know the script that they want me to say. And, and I definitely like showered and, and dressed the part and manicured myself. Like I've got the nails done and the hair done and the makeup done and I've arrived early. Those things, uh, that's not telling myself anything, but if I've checked off those boxes and I've done everything in my power to get this job and the rest is up to fate. Yeah, uh, another another smart one. Uh, how do you? I'm very smart. Yeah, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I I actually read that in the notes, <laughs> which I made my, myself. My notes ahead of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wrote a note to myself. <laughs> She's smart. Be careful. Oh, I thought you meant I sent that your way. I was like, here's something you should know about me <laughs> no, no, before no, you even no, get started. No, I would, never, I would never nail you with that. That's like pointing out the, uh, the dog on the couch in the bag of an Instagram photo there. Uh, 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 what, what social media advice do you have for a new stand-up? Because this is an area generations of stand-ups never had to worry about. And now a lot of them are kind of getting to it. More reactive than proactive. What, what, uh, for a new stand-up, what would you tell them about social media and, and, and a presence there? Well, for years I ran a Twitter – I offered a Twitter workshop for comedy writers at the People's Improv Theater in New York. And that was based on my friends who were stand-up saying they didn't know how to translate their stand-up voice into their tweets because they didn't think it was getting the feedback they wanted. And um, – you're talking about new stand-ups. I think there's no wrong way to post jokes online, but as long as you're trying to make it funny, you know, so whether, like a new stand-up I think is different because you may not have been proven to be funny even on stage yet. Right. So what you're doing on Twitter is a similar thing you're doing on stage. But if you're someone who's been doing stand-up a while and you have jokes that get laughs and then you want to then put them on Twitter or you're not sure if you want to share them because you don't want them to get stolen, I would say just, Constantly write the way you do for stand-up, put them in a notes app, or put them on paper, and then plan to release a few tweets, like three to five tweets that for the session that you're on Twitter that you log on, retweet a several before you start posting um, so that you're sharing content as well as creating it. And, and you can't really go wrong. That way you're going to start to see um, you're sharing stuff you like that makes you laugh. And that gets your creative juices flowing. You're sharing jokes that you've already thought through, but then you could then stay online and start to think of other things because you're reading more funny things. You know, you see what's trending and then yeah. you're like, I have a Trump joke too. Great so advice. Think, yeah. Yeah. And, approach it that way. And I would uh, only add to that, uh, proofread your stuff. Cause that spell check, it has the acidity level of Ted Cruz. That's all I'd say. That advice corner <laughs> brought to you by you drive the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. Hey, this is exciting. Abby. Now it's time for the fiery four. The fiery four. Oh, I got sound effects and everything. With this. Abby, these are sports takes hotter than a recently divorced chef's tacos Diablo. Fire number uh. one. All right, you got a choice. You're in New York City. Someone's mm-hmm. going to give you tickets to a New York Knicks game or an off-Broadway show that you've only heard medium things about. Which do you go to? 
you know, I take the Broadway show. I like that more than I like watching a sports game. Yeah, plus uh, the Knicks are hardly a sports game at this point. Uh, fire number two! <laughs> Best uniforms in pro sports. When you're sliding by, we know you love the uh, the pregame, halftime, the postgame. You don't care that much about the game itself. But when you're flying mm-hmm. by that TV, what makes mm-hmm. you stop and go, ooh, uh, that's cute? I love when they wear pink shoes for breast cancer awareness. That always stands out to me. That really does. And I think uh, it's also an advantage for the defensive backs because they can see your feet more clearly Uh-oh. against the green. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, they're they're going to change that now. Now somebody's going to switch it up. I'm, uh, well, you know what? But maybe they'll just paint the field pink. Fire number three. <laughs> uh, best hair. In all of sports, whether it's tennis, golf, uh, any sport, who do you think in the history of sports has had the best hair that pops into your mind? My favorite hair has been, if I'm saying his name right, Troy Palomalu. Or Palo- yeah, Malo. Troy Palomalu. Man, you Palo-Malo. nailed that. Okay. But I think uh, he needs to keep his ends trimmed. He likes to just let it grow as long as it can. But I would like to see, yeah, like healthier ends. They're a little straggly. Yeah, they're, they're, a, little, they're a little split. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has split ends, and oddly enough, he was a defensive back, not a split end. And finally, <laughs> fire number four, Super Tuesday winner. Call it for us. Oh, got to be. You know, I don't even know what you're talking about. Is it basketball, or, or do you not want to tell me? It's, it's the election. Oh. <laughs> I, went, I took a left. I, I, get, I get bored with the sports questions myself. I'll go, I mean, with, my, my I'll go with the most. I'll go with the most recent Gallup poll info I heard, which was just yesterday. I'll say Bernie takes it all. Bye-bye. I think Bernie takes it all, yeah. Although that Gallup guy, I hear he gets drunk in the basement of a sex shop once in a while. I don't know if I trust him. That fiery <laughs> four like <laughs> brought to you by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience, and KafkaAsk.com. Ask any question and get a befuddling answer at KafkaAsk.com. All right, now... Uh, it's time for uh, the pop quiz. That's where you give me a pop quiz. Uh, mm-hmm. I am now nine seventy six and two, nine seventy seven and two through uh, wow. my entire career. So, but I'm on a hot streak. I'm two one and one the last four times. Uh, but uh, we got a little uh, theme song for this here. Uh, Abby, check this out. Boom, pop, pop, pop quiz. That's it. What do you think of that? <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, there was a musician strike when I, when I, had, to record, when I had to record that. So I just did it myself. You work with what you got. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, this is the great Abby Crutchfield. She's going to ask me three questions about anything, and we're going to see yep. if, uh, if I can handle it. Let's see. All right, Chet, your first question is a science question. Where did the days of the week get their name? Uh, the days of the weeks I got their name. This is interesting. Uh, it was the ancient uh, Romans. Uh, uh, when they were, uh, there was a family that ran uh, the the military in ancient Rome, and there were like uh, seven generals, and they could, they could never, you know, because those Italian names they get confusing. So what they did was they uh, they just uh, shortened the names, and then they 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 kind of put day at the end of it, and that's how they could tell the, their seven generals. <laughs> there were only seven, luckily. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. we'd have eight eight days of the week. Um, I have uh, the Romans did adopt a, a system, but it was after the Babylonians created it. So the Babylonians, you're partly right. The Babylonians actually named them after five planetary bodies um, that all had like similar sounding words, like Saturn was Saturday, and then the sun and the moon, which is Sunday and Moon Day or Monday. Man, you know that's uh, 
Even funny. the Romans culturally appropriating the Babylonians. <laughs> you the Romans. Don't trust the Italians. All right, so uh, I'm going to take a half a point because at least I got Roman there. But uh, basically, yes. basically, I got it wrong. Okay, question number two, Abby Grutchfield. <laughs> You're pretty fair. Uh, do Americans spend more money on cats or dogs? Americans spend more money on dogs because they're more dependent. They can't even go pee by themselves. Uh, in fact, if they want love, they have to stare at you and stick that cold nose right on your snout when you're trying to take a nap. I'm going to go with dogs. <laughs> yeah, the cost of Kleenex alone for that snout rub. Uh, you are correct. You're exactly right. Wow. They, uh, cats are lower maintenance than dogs, so that's why they spend more on dogs. And I, and I would thank you personally before question number three for asking essentially a 50-50 coin toss. And I happen to get it right. <laughs> All right. It's the rubber question. I'm one and one. Let's see if I can get this baby right. Question number three from Abby Crutchfield. Question number three is a food question. Ooh. How is authentic Chicago deep dish dough different from regular pizza dough? You can go by how you taste it or if you actually know in the cooking process. But how would you say they're different? Uh, they're different. I believe there is more yeast in the uh, in the thicker <laughs> dough. You add more of that uh, that uh, red star yeast in the, in, in the witch dough. In witch dough. In the in the the, 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 the deep dish dough. Oh, you were close. Uh, no, the the deep dish is made. It's laminated with butter, like a pie crust. So you're, the red star yeast is actually in regular pizza dough oh. more than this. Deep really? The deep dish is laminated with butter like a pie crust. That's the correct answer. Well, you know, uh, I may not eat deep dish pizza for a while just because I don't like the term laminated getting anywhere near my food. <laughs> that pop quiz, which I lost, brought to you by Lester Holt, the guy you fast forward through when you're watching Dateline. Hey, my guest today, <laughs> the hilarious Abby Crutchfield. Follow Abby on Twitter at Curly Comedy on Instagram. What's your Instagram yeah. handle? Is that also Curly Comedy on it's Instagram? Also Curly Comedy. That's impressive. Yeah, uh, uh, she has a, a head of hair. Speaking of your favorite hair, uh, Ab- Abby's rocking it uh, now. Uh, when you, are you, are you you still getting on the road much? Wherever you go, if you get a chance to see Abby, uh, go see Abby. Uh, especially go see if, me if you're going to be in New York. You can see me this Saturday, the seventh at QED Astoria. It's in Queens. Or if I don't know when this is going to air, but on Wednesday the fourth, I'll be at Caveat, which is a really cool intellectual place to see comedy on the How I Learned Storytelling Show. And this theme is How I Learned to Get Away With It. Wow. And uh, that, ooh, I like that theme. So you get a theme and then you just got to run with it. Man, you, you got, mm-hmm. yeah, the comics in New York are just uh, challenging their brains instead of going out and <laughs> buying snazzy shoes, uh, uh, which is impressive. <laughs> Abby, thank you. And, uh, of course, uh, all you know, your New York fans, go to those dates and uh, check your local uh, sex basement. You never know when a comedy show might pop up there. Uh, Thanks, so follow Abby on Twitter at uh, at at, uh, at Curly Comedy. Abby, thank you. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and follow my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Visit jeffcesario.com for dates and all kinds of stuff. He's got an album coming out at the end of April. What was I thinking it's called? Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Support my sponsor, starburns.com. And if you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Ake, Nevada, calling the 13th annual World Series of Gin Rummy for the Assisted Living Network. Uh, oh, better bring the speed. This 
is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.